Welcome to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to build a world-class service business from the dirt up. And now your host, Mark Stoner. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. I'm Mark Stoner. I'm super excited today to have my good friend and uh, sales guru, Alan Rush, is with me today, and uh, he's at my office. He's actually here at my company uh, doing uh, training for my my staff and my technicians, and he's absolutely the best in the business, and I'm so lucky to finally catch him and get him on some recordings. So I'm going to ask him some questions about sales. Um Again, I want to thank everybody that that posted some stuff uh, this week to me. I got a lot of uh, nice, funny comments on uh, what happened at the uh, for some of my customers' situations. I don't know if you listened to it last week, but anyway, um, uh, I, I heard a thing today from uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger that I love, and it's it's kind of old school. But Arnold Schwarzenegger said whenever he's doing. Uh, motivational speeches are talking to people. He says, shoot for the top. Don't shoot for something little. And I, I love shooting for the top. I think if you're going to shoot for something, shoot for the top. So with that being said, I've got Alan here. Alan is um, an industry sales trainer, and he also um, does some appearances and talking although he doesn't love that he is very good at whenever he talks and whenever he talks I always learn so welcome Alan hey thanks for having me Mark appreciate it very much so Alan um, you've been in our industry for a little while you've you've coached with hundreds of companies probably uh, ridden along with hundreds of, of technicians at this point our industry is not great at sales. We are clearly, uh, but we are technicians first. We understand the you know the way the thing works, what what should happen, but we always get tripped up talking to the customer. What's some of the main things on hundreds of of, of ride-alongs that that we need to think of differently? Well, I think you, you said it, you know, we're technicians, right? I mean, our job is to go in as a technician and uh, inspect, diagnose, um, produce a report, uh, you know, say what's broke. I mean, that's right. pretty much, you know, what we do. And so from a, like in our industry, the chimney industry, I don't know too many people that, that are excited to buy chimney stuff, right? You know, we, we sell things like caps and liners and uh, things that a lot of your audience may not know the words for, but smoke chamber repairs and firebox repairs. And uh, there, there's not one person that I've been out to and, you know, thousands of ride-alongs that's just, you know, itching to, oh, man, I can't wait to get that new firebox. You know, it's, it's just not, it's just not one, of, it's not one of those things. And no one has a chimney budget, you know, it's one of those things. So, so the, the idea is switching from the mindset that we're technicians that are going out there because that's what, every, that's what your competition's doing, right? They're going out there and they're saying, all right, here's what, here's what I found, here's what you need to do, and here's how much it costs. And basically, it's a shopping list of chimney products that no one wants to buy. So our goal is to switch the conversation to really understand what's important to the customer. Uh, once we understand what's important to the customer, then we can basically deliver the information in a way that means something to them so that that they're not buying chimney products. They're buying, not having to deal with whatever's going to happen if they don't buy the chimney products. So, um, so I think it's just more um, switching the mindset of, 
here's what I found, here's what you need to do, here's how much it costs, into having a conversation with the customer to understand what's important to them, why we're out there, and delivering the information to them in a way that means something to them, uh, whether that's you know increased home value, whether that's uh, not having to deal with future repairs, whether that's um, you know being able to resell their house, whatever it may be, uh, which we'd figure out through our discovery. Right. So you you said something really, I'd like you to dive into a little bit. You said what happens, most importantly, what happens if you don't do something? Can you kind of dig down into that? Sure. So what, one of the things that, that we teach is that we call, I call them the big three. It's just something that, uh, that I've labeled. And every time we find any type of deficiency in an inspection or we find a problem or we find something that needs addressed, uh, we're hopefully documenting that with, with a photograph and we're sitting down with the customer and we're showing them a picture of something that I guarantee you the customer has no idea what it is just looking at a picture. Um, and so our job is the big three is what are we looking at? right you know what is this thing uh, what is the function of this thing what does it do right that's the first one uh, the second one is it's deteriorated it's broke something's happened to it why did that happen we have to be able to explain to the customer what happened to this so the idea is once we fix it they know that we know what we're doing so it doesn't happen again right and then the third thing and this is what make people biased the most important thing and the thing that technicians always leave out is the impact of not moving forward and so we call it the left unattended so uh, miss Jones here's what you're looking at here's what happened here's why it broke and here's what we need to do to fix it if we choose not to fix it at this point, here's what you're agreeing that's going to happen, whether that's additional expense, additional deterioration, uh, future work down the road. We want them to make a decision on not buying what we're selling, but what's going to happen if they don't buy what we're selling, like what we said just before. So, You, you taught me a word that was the most powerful word in sales. Do you remember what it was and how you use it? The... Um the yet word? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, I mean, so it goes into, you know, my what my sales background started with something called spin. Uh, if you haven't read uh, spin selling by Neil Rackham by far, go go get it now. It's a 80s book, but it, its principles still hold true today. Um, but the idea of spinning is the idea. It's an acronym for situation questions, problem questions, implication questions and need payoff questions. And the idea is we can tell, tell a customer something you know, all day long and we become the salesperson or they don't have to believe us. But if a customer tells us something, then it has to be true. So our entire process is designed to ask questions to a customer in a way that they give us answers that when we respond to those answers, it's a truth. It's a truth to them, at least, you know, they can't tell us something's important and then we deliver a solution to that. And then they're saying, oh, that's not important anymore. Right. So so it's changing the conversation. But uh, implication questions uh, is the I and spin. And that's the idea of if we don't do something, then this is what's going to happen. It's kind of a typically a negative. And so there was a, um, a brainstorming session, and I wish I could take credit for creating this word. Uh, there was a brainstorming session with one of our clients, and uh, basically he, he came up with the word yet. And we we're like, all right, use that in a sentence. He was like, well, he's like, have you seen any kind of water on your ceiling yet? And And it was just like this you know, mon monumental word, right? It was like, what do you mean yet? And so every time, you know, if you're, um, if you have a furnace or if you have something uh, that could produce carbon monoxide, has your, do you have carbon monoxide detectors in the home? Yes, I do. Well, have they gone off yet? 
No. Right? I mean, it, you're implying that the conditions exist, that uh, these things could happen. And if it hasn't happened, it is going to happen, right? Um, you have, uh, you know, your flashing, uh, to use a chimney or a roofing word, uh, is torn up and, and it's got holes in it. If you don't see seal, uh, water on your ceiling yet, you will. Right. The condi- so the idea of asking a question in a way that puts the customer to realize that if I don't take care of this flashing, I am going to see water on my ceiling. That's the impact and that's the power of them understanding it. So where did you what's your background? Why do you know this stuff? Why should we listen to you? Why? Why should I know these answers? I just want you. To, but, um, you know, how do you know this stuff? And then, um, you know, where do you come from, man? I come from Flatwoods, Kentucky, uh, home of Billy Ray Cyrus. We're about the only two things that come out of there. And uh, <laughs> who's, who's making a comeback, right? The Old Town Road and, and all that good stuff. But um, my entire background has been been sales. I have from my very first job at a, at a movie theater, being the upsell king of, uh, actually the book I'm working on, the first chapter is called For a Quarter More, and that was, that was always the thing. For a, qu- for a quarter more, you know, you can get twice as much and get the large, right? That, the, you know, the, the free refill. So it uh, started with that, you know, I've owned, uh, this will be third or fourth business, you know, built them up and sold them. Uh, but really the majority of my, my sales background came uh, in the white collar world, which I think is it's really necessary to understand buying types, right? In the white collar world, we deal like, for example, CFOs, or we would deal with CEOs, or we would deal with IT people, we would deal with receptionists, we would deal with an office manager. And even though we were selling the exact same thing, what was important to the CFO was completely different than what was important to the IT guy or what was important to the receptionist. Or uh, I worked for over 15 years with a, a company here in Nashville called Laser One. And um, for example, just as something as simple as a toner cartridge or something as simple as a printer, um, the CFO cares about the bottom line, right? How much am I spending on this? Uh, the IT guy wants to know how much downtime am I gonna have? The receptionist wants to know how often am I gonna have to order supplies and how quick are you gonna get it to me? The office manager is how easy is billing and paying my bills going to be, right? So being able to build those relationships and understand what's important to the individual and deliver back information to them that's, that builds value to them, the thing doesn't matter. And so, so that's really where I learned a lot of the core. And then once I got into spin selling uh, and solution selling, it, it was, uh, I've told this story before on on a couple other podcasts that I remember very clearly when my life changed from a, a sales perspective, when I realized that it was no, it wasn't about me, right? I mean, I, I was, God, I was the guy that you hated at first, right? The sales guy that was just like, I was selling stuff and I had a quota and I was making those calls at the end of the month. And I had, you know, I had to sell this stuff for this amount so I could hit, hit these dollars. And, and it was horrible. It was a grind and, and uh, it wasn't, I wasn't serving the customer. I was serving myself. And then once I had a Zig Ziglar mentality that realized that, man, just do your thing, help enough people get what they want, you're gonna get what you want, uh, classic Zig. And, and so when I had that mindset shift that this is not about what I'm selling, it's about what I'm selling and how it's gonna help the people that are buying it, 
it was it was literally um, just mind blowing. And then when I got into spin selling, which reinforced the entire process and gave me a process for being able to do that and ask questions in a way uh, that people cared and they wanted to know, uh, I just became a partner at that point. And so uh, so I did that for you know 15 years, and then uh, you know I started working with you. Uh, what seven almost seven years ago i think it was like march of 2013 and um knew nothing about chimneys right and uh i didn't want to know that was kind of the idea was i thought that if i could um, stay on the level of knowledge of a consumer as long as i could um, know more than them then i, I would be good and just through natural osmosis being out you know yeah it's crazy that i'm using some of the words that i'm using now that i would never thought i would have used so well so in that, it's kind of a good point is that some of us business owners think that a salesman is going to have to know, he's going to have to be a technician first. He's going to have to, he's going to have to go through the grind. He's going to have to pay his dues and put the years in. Now, that being said, you've been on a lot of ride-alongs like an apprentice would. You've seen an unbelievable amount. But do you, do you think it, uh, us owners we could hire straight salespeople and train them or do we need to bring them through the process of being um you know an apprentice a technician and then a sales guy you know it's kind of uh, i've been asked that question a lot and it's the classic question of do you want a technician that you train to be sales or a sales guy that you train to be technical and i full-on would rather have a salesperson and teach them to be technical um you know the i truly believe that uh, 80 to 90 percent of the sell uh, has nothing to do with anything technical yeah. right it's just the ability to talk to people it's the ability to build rapport it's the ability to uh, understand what's important to the customer and deliver that information to them in a way that they care about none of that requires technical skills it just requires being likable it requires being uh, a person uh, right so um in, in our industry, the chimney industry, obviously there's a ton of liability and there's a ton of technical information. And so uh, you have to have that as well. Um, but I think you can partner a, a salesperson with a technical person, have the salesperson handle most of the actual customer interaction, the sit down, the review and that type of stuff. And, and you're going to be 10 times uh, better than you would have in a, just a technician doing that. So you've been out with some of my guys before and you've come back and you've brought up some of the littlest things that make a big difference and, and I'll, I'll tell you one of them like one of them was uh you're with my guy and the customer said man i know i really need this done it was the woman she said i know i really need this done and we need this completely and and then uh but i need to talk to my husband and my technician was like okay well great we'll talk to him and come back and you said well and you were walking away and you said, man, you realize that's a buying signal. She's ready to buy. Let's go get it on the books. If something changes, then we'll take it off the books. But that next step of, I don't know if it's urgency or a hint or like what, what are some of the main things we miss? 
Well, in a case like that, it's um, technicians are afraid of the cell in a lot of ways, or they're afraid of confrontation. Uh, they're definitely afraid, afraid of objections, right? Sure. Um, and so it, it's almost a relief to a technician when someone says something like, hey, you know, okay, sounds good. Talk to my, my husband or my wife. Can you email that over to me? Sure can. <laughs> you, <laughs> you betcha. Let, let, let me get out my iPad, make sure I have your right email address, you know, right? And we're like so relieved because we're done, right? We don't have to sell anymore. And it's crazy crazy to me, right? You have to get the objection. You have to get the objection and email that over to me is not an objection. Tell, I don't know how many times I have to say that is that is a stalling. There is something behind the need to think further, right? Whether that is they need to speak to their spouse. Why do you need to speak to your spouse? Is it's a big decision? Is it money? Is it budget? Is it, uh, you don't, you think I'm full of, you know, who knows what, like what talk to me, what are we thinking so far? And so I will tell them that I say, absolutely more than happy to email that over to you. love to do that. I know this is a big decision. I couldn't make decisions like this without speaking with my spouse too. While I'm here and we've got all this information, why don't we go ahead and get them on the phone? Let's talk to them while we're here together. That way, whenever they get home and you talk about this over dinner, we're all on the same page, right? Because I've given you so much information that I know half of it's going to be forgotten by the time they get home. So let's, if we're truly interested in learning and moving forward, let's do this together while I'm here, right? Move it forward. Uh, and then the same thing with email. Be happy to do that. More than happy to email that over to you. Love to do it. What do we think so far? What are you thinking, right? That's good. T tell me, you know, like, I, cause I, I, if I don't, if it's just email it, you know, as well, it's a lot more than I thought, you know? It's like, we get this, probably our number one objection. When you say price or perception of price, you know? And I love to ask people, you know, and uh, if you've listened to some of our Surefire stuff for those that are in the chimney industry, it's one of my, my favorite lines. And you have to be very delicate in how you present this because if you don't do it with the right, um, finesse, you can come across a little bit of a jerk, right? You know, it's one of those things when someone says, you know, that's a lot more than I thought. I love to ask them, well, what were you thinking? You know, what did you think this was going to cost? And that way I could get an idea. Am I close? Right. You know, I'm at six grand. Well, I was thinking a thousand bucks. Well, dang, I screwed up somewhere, right? If, if you truly believe everything that I have went over with you is only worth a thousand bucks, I have missed value or explanation somewhere, right? That is so good. I, um, you know, another thing I think that you kind of got us away from was the good, better, best close mentality. We were told for years that what you should do is offer three options and give them these things because people like to pick in threes and I'll normally pick the middle one. And you changed our, our philosophy on that. If we close at the, at the end with that, that's, that's a no-go. Yeah, and, I, and this has been, I don't know where this started, and I still, uh, be honest with you, I have clients all across the United States, and some of them are still trying to get out of this, and some people are just fully bought into the idea of good, better, best, or, or giving options, where... I'm just the exact opposite. I believe in being the expert. I believe in asking enough of the right questions to the customer to deliver a solution to them that makes sense for them, right? At the end of the day, and this is a, a great exercise for for no matter what industry you're in, uh, roofing, H, HVAC, uh, landscaping, uh, chimney guys, 
go through and, and list your top five products, right? Literally write down the top five things that you sell and then do that big three that we talked about, right? You know, what is it? Um, you know, what, you know, how did it get deteriorated and what happens if they do nothing, right? What, when we do this with chimney guys, we realize that at the end of the day, we sell like three things, <laughs> you know, I mean, really, we sell some sort of water prevention, uh, you know, whether that's a cap, a crown, a, a flash, you know, water repellent, a, a chase cover, or we sell some sort of venting solution, whether that's a liner or a heat shield or a, uh, a fire guard or whatever it is, right? And then we sell some sort of appliance, uh, right? They want to upgrade, they want gas, they want wood stove. So at the end of the day, if we know we only sell two or three things, right? Um, the way that we sell those, I've got to be completely different. Otherwise, we're going to be just like our competition. They're going to go in there and they're going to say, here's what's wrong. Here's this thing you need. And here's the price like we talked about earlier. If we go in there and we and we're a, you know, a reputable, good company that's investing in training and our people and we're paying them well, we know we're not going to be the cheapest. So if we're going in there with that same mentality of here's what I found, here's what you need and here's the price, we know we're going to lose. We're going to lose on price. So what we have to do is talk to the customer in a way to find out, you know, what they care about. And I don't know how many times we have to, to, to go through that, but it's the idea of, I'll give you an example to kind of bring this home of one of my favorite two questions that I ask every customer is how long they've been in the home and is this their forever home, right? Uh, I word it just that way because it's one of those things that the way that I present something for someone that could be moving in six months to someone that never plans on leaving that home, the value points for the exact same product are completely different discussion points, right? Um, I'm talking home value, resale value, uh, the ability to sell something that's up to codes and standards, being able to pass inspections, transferable warranties, whatever it is, right? Uh, whereas if they are um, staying there forever, they don't care about a transferable warranty. They don't care about uh, resale value. They don't care about any of those things. They care about uh, being comfortable, um, being able to light a fire, feeling safe, feeling warm, feeling cozy. Maybe they want heat value. But th through those discovery questions that we'll ask at the beginning, I feel like we should know exactly what the right solution is for the customer versus giving them a good, better, uh, best type of solution. And uh, the last kind of point on that would be you know, we do a lot of different types of steel, right? We may do a, a galvanized or we may do a stainless and stainless has a lifetime warranty and maybe, you know, a couple hundred dollars more. Who cares about lifetime warranties? How many times have you been into an 80 year old lady's home and, and try to try to talk about a, a, a lifetime warranty and she's looked at you like, Really? Do I, do I, yeah, what, what, great. Give me a three-year warranty. It's the same, right? You know, so we, we talk about all these features of these things that, that they may not matter to the customers that we're talking about. So it's really important to, um, we could fix the, like the fire, the most common fireplace example I can think of is, and I know we don't have all chimney guys listening, but, um, you know, we can either fix your fireplace or we can bypass all this damage and put some sort of stove or appliance in, right? So let me give you a quote on fixing it and let me give you a quote on a wood stove and let me give you a quote on gas. I could just ask a couple questions and find out what's, what the customer wants, right? And then once they tell me what they want and then I deliver a proposal to them that is exactly what they told me they were interested in, all of a sudden, I'm not selling anything. I'm, not, I'm, I'm providing a solution that means something to them that, like, hey, I'm interested in that, right? Yeah. It just changes the conversation. You know, I think what you taught me too was that option close always leads 
to no close. Yeah. At the end, at the end, when when you say here's the good, better, and best, they always say, "Okay, I got to think about it. I'll get back to you." And as you said before, a lot of chimney guys are like, "Great, my work is done. I'm never going to follow up with them. They're going to call me back." And the likelihood of them calling back, as you know, and I want to talk about percentages here in a minute, it's low in our industry. So if it's to give some people some real numbers, what should what are some closing percentages? And so a lot of guys I know don't track their numbers, but if you are tracking your numbers and you want to, you've got guys out there that are doing service or doing estimates, what kind of numbers uh, are bare bottom and what kind of numbers are superstar numbers? Sure. And um, before I answer that, one last thing uh, on what you're talking about, uh, the option close is that... Um, nothing like if you give someone a b or c or they can do a or b and they they naturally want to research like you were saying right they want to go to the internet and i promise you nothing good happens when your customer goes to the internet right uh they find they commoditize you they find your competition they find all these things so um so being the expert being the person that delivers the solution to them is the only way to do it in my eyes otherwise you're potentially creating objections that are unnecessary but as far as uh closing rates you know there's not a it's just like asking someone what their pricing strategy should be or how much their commission percentages should be or um, you know what what their overhead percentage should be it's so different uh, based on companies and skill sets and the types of work that you do but um, if I'm generalizing um, my goal for uh, sweep inspections of the people that I work with is about 35 percent of an opportunity close rate and so to kind of clarify what that is there's three main numbers that I look at I look at uh, the number of visits, which is the number of times I walk into a, uh, a home, right? I look at the number of opportunities, which is the number of those people that I gave some sort of additional recommendation to, a proposal uh, to. Uh, and then from there, I look at opportunity close rate, right? So typically in the chimney industry, I'm looking for a 90% proposal rate, which means I go into uh, 10 homes and I expect nine of those to have some sort of something. It could be as a full rehab to something as simple as it needs a cap or uh, needs a little tuck pointing, right? So from the, those nine proposals that I gave, I would expect my sweeps to close about 35%, a little over three of those. And so um, again, those numbers change, um, you know, depending on uh, so many variables, the time of the year, um, you know, I would expect higher close rates uh, and when need is naturally established in, in winter or in times where people want to use their fireplace, I would expect clo- uh, lower close rates whenever I have um, you know, previous customers or certain types of fireplace, like we call manufactured fireplaces, things of that nature. Uh, there's just not as much uh, that goes with those. So um, I, if you're going to track, first track, period, right? That's, I, gosh, if I had a dollar for every time I told people just to know your numbers. Um, but um, the more detailed and the more granular you get, the more fascinating the numbers get. Um, I said, you may have a 35% average close rate, but uh, when you break it down, it's 60% on new customer masonry and it's 12% on previous customer prefab, right? So um, we can, when we start looking at it granular, I can start looking at my technicians uh, and I start to see uh, opportunity costs, right? And it's it, 
as an owner, it makes you want to throw up a little bit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when you start to look and it's like, I got one technician that every time he walks in the door, he brings in $700. I got another uh, technician that every time he walks in the door, he brings in 200. Well, if that guy's doing four calls a day, I just, that's $2,000 a day or $10,000 a week or $500,000 a year, right? That just from that little bit of difference of opportunity cost. So um, if I can dispatch Bill instead of uh, John, I don't think I have any customers, Bill or John. So, uh, but you know, so knowing those numbers is going to help you not only sell more and raise the the top line, but really make you more profitable as well. You know, I was watching your, uh, I was watching one of your uh, Facebook feeds on your sales uh, program, and a guy said he asked that question. He goes, "How much, you know, how much? What's my percentage I should watch for?" And I commented, uh, "Or how much more should I be selling?" I said more than you're doing now was my answer so um so we we just had a little technical thing my my, my recording cable came out and we had to stop for a second and alan mentioned the little voice that comes up inside your head the little doubt or the you know how that money affect would affect you personally and it's not about you like you say can you can you talk about that yeah so i i think um a lot of times, you know, the, the, I use the word expensive, right? Um, you know, the word expensive is if you're a technician and you have ever told a customer, I know this is expensive, um, you just like slap yourself across the face and say, I'll never do that again, right? Because uh, the you're basically, uh, the, literally the definition of the word expensive is uh, it is more than it's worth, right? Oh so, right. So, so uh, if you think about that, uh, you're basically saying, I know it's more than it's worth, but hey, you know, buy it from me. It's crazy. So, but the, the reason we, we feel that way is because, you know, um, a lot of times our technicians are younger or they're maybe not even be homeowners, right? They're, um, you know, but it's one of those things that they wouldn't spend five, 10, 15, $20,000, the technician. And so therefore they're, they're projecting that, or they're making that assumption that their customer won't spend that amount as well, especially right there on the spot. Right. Um, I remember, um, you know, it takes, I still get a little voice every once in a while, believe it or not. You know, I, um, I remember, uh, I was with a, a client and I won't say where, but I was with a client and I was leading, uh, I was being, the technician, I was talking to the customer and this ended up being a big job. It was like $46,000 proposal. It was, uh, it was a, one of those things. And I'm just going through the process, zero expectation, right? That this is an on the spot kind of deal. You got to talk to the spouse for $46,000, right? Got through the whole thing, got to the end, did my standard standard close, which I do a schedule close, which is, hey, you know, is this something you want us to go ahead and uh, get on the schedule for you? And and the lady said, uh, said, yeah, what do we need to do to get started? And I said, well, we just take, you know, 50% down. And, you know, in that case, this is, you know, $22,900. And she said, you take a check. I said, yeah. And it was like inside my heart was like, could you, could you, could you, could you? you know, so it's, I get where people, you know, kind of have that mentality of, you know, it's a lot of money and they won't make that decision. But, you know, it's one of those things. So you've, I don't know if you've talked about this book on your show, but the kind of the 10x rule, you know, it's the idea if someone has 10 times the amount of money you do or 100 times the amount of money you do, uh, it would be like you making a dollar decision where they're making a hundred or a thousand dollar decision. So just kind of put yourself into that, um, uh, that mindset. And uh, I, this is really important. So I want to make sure I get this in there. And t- I see tech, this is a big thing I see technicians do across the country and they, 
they disserve the customer. And I want to use that word very intentional. They're doing a disservice to their customer, to their company, um, by not proposing certain things because the price tag is already at a certain level, right? We've, um, uh, in, in the chimney industry, the, one of the most common things is like water repellent or little, what we would call add-ons or extras. To me, those are not add-ons or extras. Those are like the best investment you can make in your chimney, right? I mean, we know this thing is going to deteriorate, so why would we not protect it? Uh, and I, if I had a dollar for every time I had a technician that we already, where you were already at five or $6,000 and we're reviewing the proposal together, and I'm like, hey man, you missed the water repellent. It's like, oh, this is already at five or $6,000. You know, that's going to put it over seven, you know, if they're going to buy at six, they're going to buy at seven. You know, I mean, you're creating barriers in your head as to what the amount the customer is willing to spend. And, and that threshold is, excuse me, almost always at your comfort level. Right. And so the idea of not recommending something to a customer because you're uncomfortable with the price or you're afraid of what they may say to the price is just a disservice. And so, so uh, I, you know, it's probably one of the number one things I coach on is that get that out of your head. I don't care if it's 15,000 and we're going to 20, if it needs it, it needs it. You didn't cost the problem. You're just there to explain what, you know, why it's there. You know, that's so true. I, I used to talk about the law of zeros. It's a very similar thing where you have, you know, let's just say you have $1,000 in your bank account. You don't know if that person has another zero on the end or a couple more zeros. Yeah. They could have 100000 a a million, half million. So just take whatever the price was to you and take a couple zeros off of it. Yeah. Seems a lot more reasonable. Well, that's kind of like the wealthy people. I was working for a very famous country music person one time. And if I said who they were, everybody knows who they are. I We had to propose $10,000 worth of work. And the guy said, um, it was his house manager. And he said, well, can you do it tomorrow? This was the week before Thanksgiving, two years ago. In our industry, you're usually a month out. You're usually booked out. And I said, man, no way. I can't, you know, we're, we've been full. He said, what if I give you another 10000 Oh, man, amazingly, uh, instantly, I could do it. So for him, that 10000 was like another dollar. It, can I give you another dollar to do it? Yeah. You know, that's that's how it was to us and to him. Like to us, that meant a bunch. To him, it meant nothing. It was just a matter of getting it done. So it really taught me that it, that about, you know, how that can work. And I think uh, on the on those lines are that if you go back and, and I will I will challenge every person listening to this that if you haven't done this that I, I may call you out on it right is and that is you have made a judgment or a, a perception uh, of what someone can spend based on something right whether that's their house whether that's the car in the driveway whether that's uh, a bunch of junk uh, you know in the house how dirty it is we've pulled up to a house and we're like oh man we're not getting anything out of this or we pull up to a house we're like holy cow this thing's millions of dollars and we've all had the opposite happen we've had the house that was barely standing have that person whip out 10 grand and like okay let's get started right and we've had the million dollar house where we realize why they have a million dollars because they ain't spending any of it you know so so we make these judgments and and the idea is get stop all that right do your job do it doesn't matter just get to know the person be likable be relatable build rapport make sure they understand their situation deliver the information in a way that's relevant to them and and it'll all take care of itself you know so you told me a story once about rolling up to a house 
and uh, the person inside wasn't doing exactly uh, what you thought of it was going to happen or what we were comfortable with. Can you uh, tell us about that a little bit? So one of my favorite stories, and I will not call out my client on this, but uh, it was uh, we. I was with another technician. We pulled up to uh, up to this house in the middle of the woods. I mean, we went up like a driveway that seemed like it lasted forever. I was waiting on banjos, you know, to be playing in the background, and I mean, it was straight out of Deliverance. And uh, ring the doorbell, uh, no answer. Knock on the door, no answer. And finally, we hear this, you know, kind of come in, and we're like, oh man. And so, so like we creak the door, we're like, hello, chimney guys. And uh, so like, come on in. And uh, we look and, and uh, right in the middle of the living room, there's this little old lady that had to be early 80s. I mean, she's, and she's looking it too, right? I mean, she is just classic grandma, like should have had a, uh, uh, a blanket, like, like knit, knitting uh, in her lap. But instead of a blanket, she had a shotgun. <laughs> so so she, she wasn't pointing at us or anything. It was just literally across her lap, and she had both hands on it, and she was just rocking in that chair and said, come on in, fireplace is over there. And so the guy I'm training, you know, he's looking at me like, um, man, you know, he's like, he's like, what do we do? And I'm so I'm going through trying to ask some discovery questions, and she's like, fireplace is over there. We go to the fireplace, and I mean – if there was a hundred, there was 500 playboys upon playboys upon playboys stacked on this hearth extension and just literally couldn't even see the, see the firebox because there was so many playboys. And as far as we knew, it was just this little old lady that was here and she, she had a, quite a collection, probably worth some money, you know? And so, so uh, we're like, this is the fireplace. And so we had to move everything and it was, ended up being a great lady that um, we actually ended up selling about $12,000 worth of work to. So you just never know. Dude, that's so funny. I um, we had a similar situation as, as far as like let really misjudging somebody. We um, we were called by a, a hearth store that said, "Hey, we went to this lady's house. It smelled so bad, like cat pee. We don't even want to go in and do it." And she wants something under a fireplace, but the house is a total hoarder wreck, falling in. So you don't take it if you don't want it. I said, "Man, you never know." We went. This lady, before we uh, literally, you couldn't walk through her floor, through her house. The ceiling was falling in. Everything was terrible. But she wanted warm fireplaces. If there was one thing she control could control, it's to fix those fireplaces. She had a bunch of cats, and she could control and fix that one thing, and it would make her happy and her cats happy. And she spent eighteen thousand dollars with us instantly on a couple of units and liners and never blinked an eye and didn't care about anything else around her because you know i would say fix the roof first i don't know fix the floor that was me right that wasn't her what was important to her she could spend some money and everybody was warm and she could enjoy that small part of her house that wasn't a nightmare and I really learned a lot from that. And was it hard to work in that house? Yes. Did we have to wear face stuff? Yes. But we did it and gave her what she wanted and she paid us. So, dude, it's so awesome to have you. Uh, I'm about out of time here. I want to ask you one more thing. If I know you're busy, I know you're super booked up, you're high demand. How can people get to know about you? How can people get more of you or possibly hire you? What's it like? 
Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, and and uh, I've I've told you uh, and Mark. For those that don't know, Mark's uh, he, he's been such a uh, a coach of mine as well, and really uh, uh, helped me. Uh, he helped me come up with the company name, uh, Rush Profits. He's like, dude. He's like, uh, he's like, your your last name is a gold mine. You got to use it. And so, so uh, I really appreciate everything that you've done for me, Mark. And um, you know, my first uh, chimney client, and like you know, the, it's amazing where we were seven years ago to where we are today, and uh, certainly blessed. But with that being said, I uh, kind of started off with a, a very crappy business that I haven't been able to scale. Uh, that uh, you know, I've just been so blessed that right now it's me and my wife, and um, and got, couldn't do it without her. And uh, so we are working on some ways to scale. But at this point, you know, I I do have some availability. Uh, whether or not it's uh, uh, monthly, that that would be uh, unknown. But what I would say is, is I do have months where I have availability. I have a f- I have days. Uh, I definitely have some remote time available. So uh, the easiest way is to just give me a call uh, or set up a, uh, a free consultation. Uh, let's just let's just have a have a talk, and uh, you can call uh, me at six one five. 474 rush that's 615-474-7874 you'll you'll get my lovely wife denny that answers and she'll uh, set up a time for us to talk Uh, or you can go to rushprofits.com that's r-u-s-h-p-r-o-f as in frank i-t-s.com and there's a free consultation link on there you can just fill out your information and we'll set up a time just have an initial little chat about where you're at uh, what some of your goals are what some of your challenges are and if there's a fit Um, the big thing that i have learned uh, and you you do a lot of consulting and you can appreciate this is that it's very easy to get pull, uh, pulled in 500 directions and people wanting help in a lot of areas and whether I'm dealing with warehousing or I'm dealing with uh, office or you know technical and so so I want to I want to really stay in my lane and if you need help with sales uh, sales and customer service um, that's that's where my forte is that's where I see the best results uh, that's where I can bring value to your company. If you're having a, uh, a lot of trouble with SOPs and processes and systems, that's all stuff that I do. Uh, but I'm really at this point in the business trying to, uh, with the limited time that I have available is to really help people build rockstar sales teams and individuals. So man, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. And I know you're a busy guy. I finally got a chance to talk to you. I, th- I feel like I could talk to you for two more hours. Yeah. So I want to, every time you come up here, we, we try to do one of these. I think the listeners are really going to get a lot of value out of it. I know I do every time I learn something different. So uh, guys, I hope you enjoyed my guest, Alan Rush. If you need sales coaching and consulting, he is the best in the business. Guys, that's my time for the week and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or any place that you listen to podcasts. More information is also available at markstoner.com.